Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the All of Life podcast. My name is Warren Williams, joined by Josh Butler and John Crawford. And um, we are here wrapping up our countercultural conviction series, our podcast series and our sermon series. Um, I've hoped that this series has just been helpful. And um, we really got the joy this week to hear from John as he taught on salvation. So, John, I'm glad that you're here today. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate the stories and everything. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to dive in a little bit deeper today on our yeah. episode. And I just hope generally that this Pod, uh, this sermon series has just been extremely helpful for everyone, that it's been equipping. And um, even as we've dived into uh, some of the tougher topics that um, you feel just the grace and truth of, of Jesus as we've dived into all the different waters. And so grateful for you guys, grateful uh, for our church and um, grateful for, to, to get into this conversation today. And so today we're going to be talking about salvation. Um, so if, again, if you were here on Sunday, um, John taught on it. And one thing, John, that I really appreciated that you did um, on Sunday was you, you kind of named some of the cultural ideals and kind of mantras around how one finds salvation. And so I felt like on today's episode, it'd be good for us to just even do a deeper dive into some of those mantras, um, name them, and then we can talk about how the gospel confronts um, some of these cultural ideals. And so just to get us started today, the first one, uh, one of the ones that you see in many memes and um, even just quotes and all over the place within our culture um, is the idea that for you to find God, you have to go out and find him. Let's talk about that. Where do we see that in our culture? Uh, where where are some of the places that that pops up? Totally, yeah. Uh, well, this is Josh, and, and you know, so you got to go find God. John, you talked about that as like a cultural ideal, uh, but some people might not say they're looking for God, and yet there's still this sense of like you got to go find meaning, you got to go find yeah. significance, you yeah. got to go create a life for yourself, an identity for yourself, value for yourself, worth for yourself. Uh, there's a sense that it's on us to go out and kind of climb the sacred mountain, so to speak, yes. and create some sense of meaning or significance or transcendence for us. And uh, people do that through all sorts of ways. Some people it might be through, um, dude, financial security. I got to make enough money right. to feel like I've made it and yes. my generations to come are going to have the stability they need. Other people, it might be through like a body image. Dude, I got to hit the gym enough to actually build up myself to be attractive enough or whatever the thing is, you know. Uh, some people, it could be an ideology, you know, like they become yeah. enmeshed with like, dude, this uh, becoming a strong adherent for this ideology and posting enough about it and talking enough about it, living my life around this thing is how I'm going to justify my existence as being a valuable, significant person. There's a million different ways this looks like, but the common thread seems to be, hey, it's on you to go find God or meaning or transcendence or salvation or significance and and to, to make that for yourself. Yeah, I think the you know, even for people who are outside of the Christian faith, right? They're probably not saying, hey, I'm trying to achieve salvation. But even one of the ways that I think about it in so many of my conversations, even at the salon over 17 years of cutting hair, it's everyone is striving for the good life. And salvation to someone who isn't going to use that language, it's oftentimes... Uh, they would define it as the good life. And everybody is looking and working and striving, and they're going out to try to find and achieve the good life. But what the gospel then shows us and the good news of salvation is the good life is found in Jesus. Jesus says abundant life, 
And rather than a life of striving, it's actually a life of receiving, that God comes to us, that he pursues us. And salvation is a gift that we receive. And so I think just in our society, as Josh just hit, there's so many things that people are striving after. Um, but then I think uh, in a pluralistic society where there's so many different religions right. and there's so many different um even in our own city, right? I think uh, Phoenix is the most religiously diverse mm. city in the entire country mm. with all of the different religions. And the unique thing about Christianity is that you don't have to go out and achieve and earn and work for salvation. But in all of these other religious visions and religious doctrine, it's very much uh, jumping through hoops. It's very much climbing your way up the right. ladder to get to God, to earn God's favor and acceptance and approval. Yeah, and in fairness, it's worth observing too. This can show up in Christianity a lot too. You know, right. you totally get right. legalism like this. Yeah. On, it's on me to get my butt to church and to Ascent read my Bible to enough behavior. and do these different yeah. things mm-hmm. to like become mm-hmm. a good enough person. And John, what I loved how you drew out on Sunday in uh, Jesus' parable of the Good Shepherd in mm. John 15 was that it's not a story about the sheep going out to find the shepherd. Like it's a story about the shepherd going out to find the sheep, right? right? Like it's not uh, a, a, an image Jesus gives us of us needing to go find God. It's an image of God who has come to find us yeah. in Christ. He's taken the initiative He's, we're the one lost, disoriented, scrambling around out in the mountains trying to find our way. And we, right. we're just, we got nothing that can get us there. And yet yeah. God has taken the initiative to come find us. Yeah, I, I man, I love that you, I love you brought that up because I think oftentimes uh, in American Christianity, there can be a default. And I grew up around the, around the church. I shared a bit of my story um, in the sermon about why I got a distaste um, for Christianity and why I walked away. And it was very much the legalism. It was very much almost like you have to work for God and to earn his acceptance and approval. Um, And I think we've seen that in a lot of different ways. And I think that is where the gospel comes afresh when you really understand what is going on. And that's where I think the, the parable, even why I chose the parable of the lost sheep, to preach on with this passage is that picture that, you know, I didn't create the picture. Jesus Jesus paints this picture in the parable of, yeah, it's not the sheep that is going out to find the shepherd, but yet the shepherd is pursuing the one lost sheep. And Jesus, this is a picture of Jesus and, and us. And I, I think uh, something that Josh kind of touched on and John, what you did in your sermon that I thought was kind of great to illustrate even our own condition, right? Of the three different mm. pictures of sheep um yeah and so you had in your first picture it was a the picture of like this i don't know maybe the the cute little mary's little lamb the (laughs) probably image of a lamb that everyone kind of has in their their mind and then in your second picture right you talked about that sheep who was lost and hadn't realized their own condition right they had Mm. what was it like how many pounds of wool 89 89 pounds of wool um on it and it needed to be found and it needed to be shared right but it it wouldn't have realized, it wouldn't have recognized that on its own, right? Yeah. And then lastly was the the sheep who was pretty much on death's door, right? And I just think even that wounded, uh, yeah, it was wounded. It was it was it's uh yeah, it was it was in pretty bad shape. And I think even that idea of like you need to go find God, it's like no, you need a God to come and find you. Like yeah. it, I think yeah, something that uh, I feel like you those pictures help to illustrate is even sometimes we don't even recognize our own condition, right? Of the, yeah. 
of what we're carrying or the ways that we've been wounded. And uh, we need a God actually to find us rather than us even attempt to go and ascend to somewhere to go find him. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, um, yeah, I think those images of sheep, it's funny because, uh, you know, so often I, when you, when you think about that lost sheep, I think, you know, even for me, it's like, oh yeah, it's the cute Mary had a little lamb, like this cute, cute little sheep. And that sheep needs to be rescued. But I think the thing with, um, those other two images right. that's really helpful is there's a real f- that those sheep have a real felt need mm-hmm. unable to move unable to get up and i think for uh, once again talking about culturally what's going on with going out to find right. god whether that's the god of the bible or something else that you're trying to find your identity in or your worth in is so many people who spend their life striving for that and then maybe they attain it mm. and let's just say it's it's the job it's the position that's right. going to have the paycheck and it's going to provide once again salvation outside of christianity right. the good life they actually attain that and then you talk to people and it's like dude this is not what i right. thought this is empty right. the number of uh, guys that i know who they have lived for wealth and for position and then man these these guys don't even know jesus mm. but then they get there and they're just like dude this is not all it's mm. chalked up to be mm-hmm. and um you know jim carrey even says he's got that famous quote of i wish everybody was rich and had money because then they would realize how empty it is or yeah, yeah something that, like that, that, that. it's yeah. it doesn't solve yeah. the, the problems right. you know Mm. Yeah, and I love you, you shared a powerful story of your friend Jay who got lost in the Superstition Mountains and uh, dude out of water, dehydrated, dying. And he he took the wrong path, you know. And yeah. and you you talked about how dude there are one of those mantras, you know, kind of one way of our culture expresses you got to go find God is kind of the sense of like all paths lead to God, all right. paths lead to salvation, all paths lead to the same place because um, there's just this sense of like dude as long as you're going out on your own to do it then you do you you know you kind of go find your own path and you go find god that kind of thing and i i just loved the image that you shared of jay like as he's laying there dying and he's got his podcast in and he hears someone saying (laughs) hey you know like just because you're on a different path doesn't mean you're lost and jay's like going dude that's that's, no i'm dying (laughs) i'm dying That's, that's horrible like you know you realize the ludicrous of of that when you actually find yourself lost and dying Mm. and the reality is that we are jay you know like we are lost and dying we are out in the wilderness we've taken our own paths we've gotten off of god's path we're taking all these different ways and it's leaving us lost and desperate and heading towards death and we can't find our way back like we need god to come save us we need god to come find us we need to god come rescue us i think that's part of the beauty and power of the gospel is that it's God taking the initiative. That's right. not like a sub thing. That's like, dude, you see throughout the biblical story, it's God taking the initiative to come after us and pursue us and find us and restore us when we keep going all these other directions to get away from him and tearing our lives apart in the process. Yeah. And that just feels like a good segue into like the second cultural mantra that we often hear uh, when it comes to salvation. Right? One of the things that we hear is that basically you have to make it happen. Um, yeah. I feel like I, I feel I feel like this is something I, I feel like I see mostly like in sports, especially too. Of like totally. you just gotta drum up the the energy, the strength, the whatever it is. And um, I mentioned sports because sports is 
are a large part of our culture. Like, you know, there, there's a lot that we can draw from sports and um, maybe there are things that apply to sports that we probably shouldn't apply to our normal everyday lives. But even outside of sports, like there's just this kind of um, ideal, especially here in the States of like, you have to, you know, the the world is your oyster. You have to forge your path. You have to there find you your salvation. You have to... Um, you have to do the work of yeah, saving like, yourself. No one's coming to save you. Yeah, like yeah. dig deep, put dig in the work, deep, and maybe. Yeah. And here it's kind of just like, yeah. After we, God might give you a little help. You might find some, you know, inspiration, and spirituality. But take that inspiration, and then you gotta go the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. Dig yeah. deep, do the work, and then you can get there. But it's on you. Yeah, yeah. I think the even the quote that I shared, I, right. I didn't say who it was, but. Uh, it was a Mariah Carey quote, mm. and uh, it, it's uh, she says, "Rely on your own inner strength." Wow! And just that—that that gets at um, one of the cultural mantras, right? Yeah. There's a lot of like believing in the power within you, your yeah. own inner strength. I think we um, self empowerment is a huge thing. The power of positive thinking. Yeah, right. the power of positivity. All you got to do is believe in yourself, and you can achieve it. Um, and a lot of the motivational, you know, self-help. Right. And here's the thing. I'm not demonizing all of that stuff. I'm not saying it's all bad. But when we begin to talk about salvation, you know, I talked about how, man, these things are just insufficient. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah, I was going to say, I loved how you made that distinction. It wasn't like saying like, oh, you got nothing good in you. You can, whatever. You weren't demonizing that. But how you drew out like, but when we're talking about salvation, like you're heading towards death and those things are insufficient. Yeah, you know, like you can't actually save yourself or get yourself out of your condition with the very resources that our culture wants to elevate and say, hey, that's that's the best thing you got. And I love you use the image of uh, people saying, oh, God's just a crutch, you know, like right. like you need a, you, you, God's just something you can't walk that you, know, you can't get there on your own. And so you need God like this crutch to kind of help you along. And, you know, your comment kind of like, dude, God's not a crutch. He's a stretcher. You know, like yeah. I don't need just a little bit of help from God. Like I need. I'm laid out flat. And I need him to pick me up and carry me home. And the way you drew that out in the Luke 15, the lost sheep story was, dude, when Jesus, when the good shepherd, when he finds the sheep, he throws it over his shoulders and he carries it home. Yeah. It's like he doesn't yeah. give the sheep a map and say, hey, here's how to get back to the herd. He like actually picks up the sheep and carries the sheep there himself. That's a picture of God pulling us up on his shoulders and carrying us to the promised land, like bringing us home. Yeah. Oh no! I was just gonna like uh, kind of throw in a, a slight curveball here. Like when like people are balls. saying this, well, they're they're trying to get at something, right? They're trying to get at that. Hey, like you have agency, you have free. Like, what is the proper place for that within our faith? Like, what is the the proper place for our will? I guess in our faith, when people are yeah, kind of making these sort of statements. Great, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we're talking about here, um, you know, God's initiation and salvation, uh, some people can misunderstand that or confuse that as going, hey, well, because God initiates, that means that we're just sort of like helpless. We're, you know, what would be the word? We're um, to like, like puppets on a puppet string right. or we yeah. have no agency or yeah. control, you know, uh, unless God kind of does, does it all from the outside in. But the way that the tradition has historically understood it has been going, 
dude, grace empowers your agency, right. actually. Like, yeah. the problem of sin is that our affections or our desires are corrupted and distorted. So we're yes. loving the wrong things. We're going after the wrong things. We're all that. And when you experience God's gracious pursuit of you, it doesn't shut down your agency. What it does is it animates your heart, your affections, your mm. desires with actually, now I love the good. Like, yeah. I, I want the good and the beautiful and the, the strong, even, you know, the good stuff more than I want the bad stuff I was running after on my own before. And so properly understood God's grace, his initiation in our lives to pursue us, to wrap his arms around us, to pick us up over his shoulders. That actually, when you experience the love of God right. and his pursuit in your life, yes. like it changes your heart. Yeah. And that transformed heart yes. means that you're living out of a whole, yeah. it's like you got gasoline that's thrown so in good. you. And now, yeah, now the, the machine's finally running yeah, properly. So you know, or to like finally your life is finally running so the way it was supposed to because you've been transformed from the inside out. Like your yeah. desires have been yes. transformed by grace. And that's where I think you even get into the response, right? Like we respond still, right? You respond through repentance and faith. And so going with what Josh is talking about, about the transformed heart and the affections, you know, sin deadens our affections. We want the wrong things. Our hearts are corrupt. Uh, we love what we ought to not. Right. We don't love the right thing. And so, um, man, God's initiation is he actually captivates our hearts right. and reorients. And so that's even the, the language on, on Sunday in the right. sermon about like sin disorients us like sheep. Jesus actually reorients us and he reorients our affections towards him. Um, and uh, and yeah, to, to what you're saying, Josh, about agency, um, dude, that's really good. Mm. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, it makes me think of like when my wife and I, you know, we first started dating and you think of like in the context of a relationship, and suddenly your heart's like a flight. You're waking sure. up early. You're staying right. up late. Yeah. You're just thinking about the person you're calling. You're like, you're doing all this stuff. But it's out of this context of a relationship that you're so excited about because of how awesome it is to be in life with this person. And I think it's something like that, except even deeper, where Paul in the New Testament uses language of actually Christ in you. Yeah. Like Christ in yeah. you, the hope of glory. Jesus actually gives us his very presence, his spirit, like being reconnected, reunited with the spirit of God is Paul calls in Romans 5, God's love, his yeah. spirit, his love has been poured into our hearts through his spirit. And that sets your heart aflame with desire where suddenly, dude, you're doing, you, you may be doing even more than yeah. you would have otherwise, but it's coming out of a different center. You're living from God's love rather than living for God's love. It feels like um, having the right relationship and like relatedness to God, like, allows us to properly relate to everything else, right? And not to allow those things to become a prison for us or just put it in an improper place where um, it leads to a place of like emptiness or not really, or seeking like fulfillment in those things in the ways that just, they just can't provide it. And so our relatedness to God actually empowers us to like live out, um, yeah, our lives in the fullest ways. I think, uh, yeah. I think too, just going back to just kind of the, the cultural uh, ideology and a lot of the mantras sure. about the power within you, it sounds really great. Right. Um, until you actually realize how weak you really are. Yeah. And that's where, yeah. once again, Jay right. of, you know, the, just it's funny, but the fact that when the helicopter found him, they were like, all right, Jay, stand <laughs> up, <laughs> follow the light to your car. Yeah. You can hike your way out. Like, yeah. no, he realized that he actually did not have the power within him and he needed something from the outside right. to come and rescue him so he has life. Yeah. And I think that that's where, once again, we're not demonizing 
the power of positivity or some of the self-empowerment. It's just insufficient because you realize how weak you actually are right. and that the, your condition of sin and your heart, you cannot... Drum uh, up the... Yeah, yes, yeah. you cannot make it happen right. on your own. You cannot work your way up to God. Right. And uh, even outside, once again, in society, that sounds great when it's on social media and it's a quote. But then when you actually live that, I remember um, a number of years ago when that uh, the book came out and then it was a movie as well called The Secret. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, yeah, The Secret, yeah. but it was all about like... Positive thinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you believe it mm-hmm. and you will achieve it. You kind of name the thing into right. existence. And when that came out, the company that I worked for um, I was in management for, and all of the senior leadership and top management, that was like their vision for mm. our uh, company. And it was like, they were showing the secret in staff meetings you had on your goals. It was like, you were naming the thing and you were almost like naming it into existence. Yeah, manifesting it into existence. Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that was very motivating. Mm. And people were like, oh my gosh. And then uh, six months later and <laughs> a year later in the follow-up on the goals, mm. Dude, the stuff wasn't happening. Mm. And all of a sudden people were like, wow, that's an amazing, like, yes, I want that. I'm going to, I'm going to start thinking. And it was like to change the workplace culture of like negativity. And it's all about positivity. And you start thinking things into existence. And then those things didn't happen for anyone. (laughs) And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and this is not a Christian company. The people who work there are not Christians. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, dude, this is a bunch of BS. Yeah. No, I I was even going to mention, I feel like even the culture at large is kind of recognizing this because some of the the discussions that are had around like toxic positivity of like Mm -hmm. hey uh you know there are influencers who are always posting you can do this or et cetera et cetera whatever it may be and just people like realizing that that's not in alignment with reality yes yeah there's a you know from one other angle i think of like youth and the depression and anxiety right. epidemic today yeah. right? right and there's a really interesting take on that a philosopher uh byung chul han and he talks about this idea that uh, we live today in an achievement society where there's a sense of you got to create meaning and identity and significance for yourself you know you got to tap into what's within you and historically back in the day it was the opposite. It's like you received your identity from outside of yourself, like your family, your tradition, your community, or God, or whatever, you know. But now it's like, oh, it's on you to go and create that. Right. And hmm. at first glance, you think about being a teenager today or something. At first glance, that can sound really liberating. Like, I get to be me on Instagram. I'm going to post like, here's, here's me expressing who I am right. and trying to stand out. And like, there's kind of this exciting bit at first, like the secret of going, dude, I get to name and express who I want to be, how I want to do things. And like, it's about to do that. But Han's observation is that after the honeymoon's over of that, right? Like it becomes this exhausting weight to have to continually yeah. drum up yeah. and uh, express yeah. your, your identity to uh, declare like to put something out there that's enough to justify mm-hmm. your value, your existence, you know, like to create that sense of meaning or significance. It's like you're constantly bearing the weight of having to generate, to justify your existence. Yeah. And the only thing you have as a resource is what's inside you. Mm-hmm. And his take is going like, dude, that's actually causing a lot of this epidemic Absolutely. of anxiety and depression today is that you've got a whole generation growing up going, Dude, your identity is not given to you from the outside. You have to manufacture and generate it from the inside out. And that's just too much weight, more than we were made to bear. Man, dude, it's, uh, geez, Byung, what's his name? 
Byung Chul Han. Man, only Josh Butler is pull that out of his back pocket. Yeah, like, only Josh Butler is bringing that <laughs> bringing that to a podcast, man. Uh, dude, that that is so interesting and and really fascinating, especially then when you contrast it with the good news of the gospel mm. that God does all of the work. And I think there's actually something where a lot of times it's okay. Well, God is initiating the searching, but that's where. Uh, man, the good news of the gospel is he doesn't just search for you and then say, all right, now you do a bunch of the hard work to rescue yourself, um, or you jump through some religious hoops now to get in good with me Mm -hmm. to achieve salvation. But he actually sees our condition fully exposed for who we are. And he knows not only that we are not looking for him, he's searching for us, but he knows that we are utterly hopeless unless he rescues us yeah. and carries us all the way home that every in that parable day. yeah every and, day and every I day think too dude sometimes it's helpful to kind of go what do we mean by save or salvation yes. yeah. i think people will think this and it's kind of like like you said instead of insufficiency it's just that you know it can kind of get misunderstood as like um well i'm just gonna sit here and lay here and if god does something right. like, you know like yeah you know, no but when we're talking about salvation and the bigness of what that is the word actually carries a lot of different associations and connotations. So the word salvation, it's the same word as the word for heal. Yeah. It's either like physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, spiritually to be healed. It's the same word like for deliverance from, think of Israel getting delivered from oppression in right. Egypt or deliverance from Satan and the demonic principalities and powers. It's deliverance from circumstances that are beyond your control. And so the whole sense, whether we're talking about deliverance from bondage or spiritual or physical or whether we're talking about healing emotional physical spiritual like dude i don't have the capacity to fix those things in me and if god's plan for salvation is ultimately to reconcile heaven and earth to himself yes that's way beyond my job description (laughs) yeah yeah and yours you know like you and i we're not going to be able to accomplish salvation from either our personal or even our collective abilities within ourselves, we need God to come and initiate and to do that work. And the good news of the gospel is that is what he has done in Christ. Right. Yeah. 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 It almost like just kind of wrapping up this, it almost feels like, you know, if someone is like injured badly, right? You don't tell that person, hey, you know what, just uh your arms fall off, but just like reattach it to yourself, right? You recognize that there's an outside force that needs to come in and like actually bring you to health and it's the same way for our souls right like we can't just um drum up enough things within ourselves in order to save ourselves god has to initiate it and empower us every single day um great um and so our last sort of cultural mantra that um will we can explore here um is the idea that for those who find god um or god finds them uh <laughs> that life with god is just a prison um, it is limiting. It takes all the fun and joy out of life. Um, and uh, basically, you just kind of hang out until you you hang out kind of grumbling and judging everyone until you die. Um, so let's talk about that. Like, where do we see that pop up and how does the gospel ultimately confront that idea? Yeah, I mean, I think you see it a lot in our society. You know, one of, one of the uh, kind of... Uh, cultural mantras that I used on Sunday is the you do you, yeah. right? And it's, I think they're uh, in our culture right now, um, I think the default view for people who are outside of the Christian faith is that God restricts you right. and it's restricts you from joy, yeah. 
restricts you from being uh, your true self. A free thinker, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Re- restricts you from doing things that you want to do, like life-giving things. Right. Um, and so I think the overall view of God and life with him is that it's very restrictive. Mm. But I think what I love about this parable is Jesus flips that on its head and gives us this view of when he returns home with the sheep, it's a party. There's celebration. Mm. There's joy. And it's not just Jesus and the sheep, but it's actually community, right? He calls the, the, all the neighbors. and yeah. yeah, he calls the neighbors. He calls the friends. We get this picture of the kingdom. We get this picture of healing. Some of the themes that Josh just hit on with right. what salvation means, it's a picture of healing, homecoming, return, the restoration of life, all in this parable. And really what Jesus is showing us is life with him is actually the way that life is truly meant to be lived. It's what it means to be truly human, that it is in his presence, there is joy, Joy, life with him in his presence. There's freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom, right? Yes, there's there's freedom. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think that you see this all around. I mean, I hear it in conversations all the time is that, God's a killjoy, you know, like the Debbie Downer, yeah. the, you know, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with just a faulty view of who God is and his character, but then also um, what it means to live life with Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, you know, that, Josh, I'd even love to hear you hit on this because I think, man, your book, The Pursuing God is so good, but I, I feel like what what you do so well is some of these caricatures and misunderstandings, you kind of flip them. Yeah, Josh, and I mean, as you kind of answer that question, there's a reason why people look at Christians or believers. Like, there's yes. a reason why people believe this to be true. Like, what are some of those reasons, maybe historically, of maybe even how salvation has been thought of? Um, and uh, what is, yeah, what, 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 how does the, the truth of who God is confront it? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. I think there's one that, hist- one that's very historic, sure. you know, through humanity as a whole. And there's one that feels very, pertinent to our cultural huh. moment today, I, I think. Sure. Comes to mind. One that's very, throughout the human history, historic throughout human race, has been just kind of the legalism thread, yeah. right? I think yeah. sometimes we can be reacting against a view of God that's just about, dude, it's just about keeping the rules and not making God mad and not stepping over the boundary line. And, and so it becomes like a uh, list of do's and don'ts and right. rules and regulations, and it can start to feel confining and claustrophobic and restrictive and just like, Ah, the whole point is just like not messing up, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that's, that's there. But I also think there's something that's more particular to our moment today culturally, which is we're at a time where any source of authority outside yes. of the self is seen as restrictive and yeah. claustrophobic. That's and so good. God's the biggest one, but you got all these other ones too. And I've been noticing this with my kids watching Disney movies the last <laughs> however many years now, right? Going, yeah. And I'm not anti I enjoy watching the Disney movies and all but I found a common thread which is that usually the one of the chief obstacles that the hero has to overcome is their family their, family. their tradition yes. their community <laughs> so their true. history the yes. institution like they don't understand they're restricting and holding in who they truly are within and so whether it's like Elsa in Frozen or Moana in Moana yeah. or Luca uh, Luca is the new one, the new yeah. one. Right. Luca's the new one it's like my yeah. family doesn't get yes. me I'm a fish yeah. out of water or whatever a fishing needs to be out of yeah. water or whatever you know like like the common thread, and even like a greatest showman, you know, yeah. Yeah. just the common thread in a lot of these narratives is that your family, your history, your tradition, your community are all holding you back. They're restricting yeah. you. And um, and if you really want to 
achieve the party, the meaning, the celebration, the joy. The, the, what that, the way you get there is you got to remove yourself from any sorts of external authority. You yes. got to remove yourself from God, family. Yes. You, know you got to tap within. You got to yeah. get up to the mountain as Elsa and, you know, and like, then, let it go. And then bring them along. Or like, leave the island and go out and like, I am Cocoa. Moana. Yeah. You know, it's like, you got to express yourself, your frozenness yes. or your yes. Moana-ness or yes. your greatest showman. You know, like, like the, uh, this is me. You know, like, yeah. like yeah. Yes. it's just, it's the common theme. Luca, you got to, slip away from your family and get out of the water and hide and don't let them find you because you got to go be you and like and the sense is like life within any higher authority than myself is confining it's restrictive it's claustrophobic and i believe actually though that um now it's true you can have an oppressive family you can have an oppressive and there is something powerful to getting brought out of those environments um my 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 claim it's not that that is never true it's that that is the only story we know as a culture right yeah. now. There's yeah. no positive vision for authority. So good. And I think the reality is when you live without any broader sphere of authority, that becomes its own form of slavery. And yeah. Slavery, mm. Right? And it ultimately becomes draining the autonomy of living life under your own resources, yes. under your own authority, and your own thing. And the picture we see in the gospel, it's actually flips it and goes, no. It feels like culture says life with God is a prison, so come join the party. But the gospel says, flips and says, like, life without God is a prison. Yes. Come join the party. <laughs> right? Like, it's life without God that ultimately becomes confining and restrictive and deadening and isolating and whatever else in the long haul. And so come join the party. Yeah. Jesus and his kingdom, his goal. It's not saying there aren't hard things, but he's bringing us home to a party. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I love that man. The the Disney uh, Disney movies. It's so true because I Disney gospel. Yeah, I, man. I, I've been uh, hoping for a reason to cancel Disney in my house, and so thank you for that, Josh. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, you, you don't want <laughs> not, Ellie not a fan of the movies. <laughs> you don't want Ellie treating you guys like yeah. Uh, well, and to say a contrast, dude. As a side note, but I noticed uh, the Crudes too, like Crudes and Crudes. Too, if you've yeah. seen those, yeah. And it wasn't Disney. I forget who made it, but I found those super refreshing because actually the family was. The heroes to get like like right. they needed each yeah. other. It was about that you know the, the obstacle was elsewhere, and they needed each other, and it just stood out like going, oh, that's like a very different motif than every other kids movie that's out there. Yeah, I I I even think just from as we're talking about families, I think one of the things that has helped me personally is being a dad is for me to tell my kids, you do you. Um, I know that's not going to end up good for them. And just the reality of because I love them, um, I actually don't think that that is going to bring life. I don't think that's going to bring joy um, because I know with little kids, if I let them, you do you, oh my goodness. I already know. Yeah. They're going, they're running out our front door. They're going into the street while cars are coming. One of my kids is going to get hit oh, by yeah, a car absolutely. if I let them do them, you know? And I think what that helps me understand is God's very heart towards us right. as a good father. Um, if we do us, like we don't realize it, but left to our own devices, man, we are our own worst enemies. Yeah. And God knows. And so that's part of like, man, he pursues us because he loves us. 
Um, and that's the good news is that, is that you don't have to earn God's love for him to come after you. He right. loves you. And because he loves you, he pursues you. And while you may view life with him as a prison, it's actually, man, that is where joy is found. That's right. where life is found. And he knows that better than us because once again, he is the creator. Um, and so I think even just um, in my own story that I shared, sure. Part of my story, why I shared it was, dude, I grew up around the church and I walked away. I was literally like, I don't want anything to do with God or Christianity or Christians for six years because of this. And I viewed life with God as a prison. It was restrictive. And I'll tell you what, I lived those six years doing whatever the heck I wanted. Those were the darkest years of my life. And it's funny now because on this side of it, I can actually say experientially, Life without God is a, pri- is yeah, a prison. Absolutely. Like I absolutely. have personally, I have been to some of the craziest parties, right? Um, in the hairdressing industry, in Vegas, like the, I've seen some of the craziest stuff ever. And you realize that is a prison. Um, and experientially, that is what I found to be true apart from God. And now living life with God, you realize dude, this is actually the party. That was the prison. This is the party. This is where freedom is found. This is where joy is found, the celebration, and and even just the community. Like, I love that image of coming back to the friends and neighbors because for us, man, when God saves us, we are not only brought to community, but we're also grafted into family, right? We become sons and daughters, and we are now, we have a new family, right? right? Like Mm -hmm. we are the new humanity in the gospel, and there's something that is just beautiful about that. And so from my experience, like I have even, like I lived this out, you know, the you do you. And I think for those of us who've experienced the saving grace of Jesus, we all say like, yeah, that's true. And this is where uh, life is found. Yeah, dude, you're not alone. Because I was going to say, man, it seems like most people you talk to when they talk about that have encountered Jesus and now life with Jesus, when they share their story, mm-hmm. that's a common theme I found over the years is that people often say, man, before Jesus, like life with God seemed restrictive and confining right. and life without God seemed like liberating and exhilarating and high flying, whatever. Um, but with the conversion of heart also comes a conversion of perspective. Yes. Where people will then go, now that life before that seems so liberating actually seems claustrophobic, right. small, confining, restrictive, oppressive, you know? Hmm. And life with God seems liberating, expansive, free, you know? And yeah. and I loved on Sunday, uh, we celebrated some stories prior to the sermon. There was uh, Gwen and Ishmael, that yeah. video uh, that celebrating kind of their, their stories of encountering Jesus. And one of the things I loved about their their stories was both were in very different ways. Yes. Gwen talked, hers was a little more kind of from a legalism, like a feeling like sure. I'm trying to do all the right stuff and to uh, find God in a different tradition or whatever, you know, and and um, and getting saved out of that into Christianity and Christ and life with Jesus. Whereas Ishmael's story was one more of, um, you know, historically say like legalism versus lawlessness, kind of the um, life of addiction and a life of kind of, started with the parties and then led to just a life um, of, of substance abuse and addiction and, and those kind of issues. And But what both of them have in common, yes. whether it was the one person with legalism trying to climb the ladder or the other person with lawlessness kind of going uh, addiction and, and, and issues there, what both of them hit on in their stories, you could hear it, was like 
that life before that I was trying to live on my own path was restrictive and confining. And now with Jesus and the gospel and grace, like I'm encountering love. I found a family, like the family of God. I found belonging. And this feels liberating and expansive and free. They're entering into the party, you know, like the life with God's family. Yeah. I was just, I mean, a couple of just final things kind of wrapping up that, um, and when you're in a prison, one of the tragedies is like you're pulled out of reality, mm-hmm. right? Like you are not able to actually experience the world in its fullness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're free, uh, you actually get to experience like abundance, right? And like life in abundance and you can relate to things properly in ways that you can't in prison. And it just yeah. that feels like, um, you know, John, as you mentioned in your story, in my story, there were so many times when before Jesus, right, you were just like, experience in life and what can seem to be fun is actually like you know like you said like you described it perfectly the darkest times of our life because we're looking for people and things to satisfy us in ways they they never can yeah um and just even thought the john you brought up just there's a god who like loves us and like celebrates when we return home right Mm. i think even just so many folks' impression of God is he's just kind of like moping around heaven and uh, waiting to strike us down or waiting for us to slip up. And um, like even when we come to knowledge of him, when we come to relationship with him, it, it's just like, well, about time, right? But no, like there's a God who's actually waiting to celebrate you, who's like um, joyfully waiting for you to come home and for you to live life with him. And so I think that's even just important for us to remember that that's the type of God that we serve. Yeah, and I what I love about that picture is it gives us a picture of the kingdom right. that we know is coming when Jesus returns and when heaven and earth are reconciled. Yeah. Like what's kind of fun for me, even as I was even as I was praying and, and, and writing the sermon, is this picture of the party that heaven shares in God's joy over right. the rescue of the lost. And you think about the global church, how many people come to saving faith mm. every day? And you think about like, dude, heaven is having a party, a party. right now. <laughs> someone, someone is coming to saving yeah, faith right now. And what mm. we know is that one day the kingdom will fully be here. And the picture of we will celebrate in heaven, that right. there will be a party that fills the earth, that we will feast with Jesus and celebrate. And it's just this, it, it gives me like a very beautiful picture yeah. of when heaven and earth are reconciled and the global church. And I think there's just something powerful about that um, as we think through just that that image Jesus gives us at the end of the parable. Yeah, yeah. I love how the shepherd finding the sheep, you kind of talked about this, how the shepherd doesn't greet the sheep with a lecture or whatever, right. you know, but greets it with joy. Yeah. Like Jesus says, he's overjoyed. And I think yeah. we can often see Jesus kind of like, why can't you be like yeah, your 99 on. responsible yeah. older brothers and sisters? You know, why, yeah. why are you running off to your thing? And it's not, no, he's, he's overjoyed. And then the joy of the party when he comes home. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of like, dude, who throws a party for their pet? You know, like yeah. like a sheep, like what <laughs> shepherd's like, I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars and call all my friends and neighbors. Like, come celebrate with right. me. Actually, Josh, a lot of people right now throw, <laughs> that's true, that's true. throw parties that's true. for that's their dogs. That's true. You're from Portland. Sorry, you any listeners, I'm offended here. <laughs> but I... I think in Jesus' day, that would have carried, you know, the story would have sounded extravagant. Like, right, yes. he's coming home, he's calling all his friends and neighbors, like, come celebrate with me. I'm yeah. going to throw a big party to celebrate this sheep that's come home, you know, and that's God, that's heaven throwing the party over us. And yeah, yeah. side note, that's one of the reasons I've loved recently. We've, you know, we started doing baptisms, the baptism celebrations, Absolutely. the parties. Yes. And part of the idea has been 
um man we want to we want to party we want to celebrate we want to join with heaven like we want to join in on earth is in heaven celebrating yeah people experiencing uh, coming home to god yeah and even with the stories we've been sharing i know that that's been the the heart behind that is we want to be a congregation of celebration the baptisms but you know a lot of times we as pastors get a unique vantage point in these stories but we've been wanting to put them in front of the congregation just to celebrate like Man, this is what God is doing. This is a picture of the kingdom, and let us be a, a people who celebrate. And so we are just grateful for all the things we've been able to celebrate in this season, yes. and we're looking forward yes. to the ways that God is going to move and the stories to come of celebration. And so as we kind of wrap up this episode, if you can walk away just remembering these three things. There's a God who has come to find you. Uh, you don't have to go find him. He does all the work. And he is waiting to celebrate you coming Mm. home. Um, And so um, thank you guys for listening. And as we even just think about salvation, there is a God who longs to give our souls rest. And so um, the only place that our souls can find actual rest is with uh, life with him. And so um, thank you guys for listening. I hope this has been helpful. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com.